What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. I've got a a special, I consider a special kind of show today with a guest where we're going to be talking about a topic that don't often talk about on the show today, but still a very important topic nonetheless. So I hope you you all will, will stay with us throughout the show. First, of course, I have a little section. Oh, and by the way, before I start with my section for my book, Everyday Awakening, I do hope you all had a chance to catch my show last week with Jennifer Huff um, talking about her brand new uh, book, Unstuck. It was a wonderful interview. She's a dear friend and mentor of mine. Um, so please, if you haven't had a chance, you can go to talkradio.nyc and catch the episode from last week. Um, but now let me just talk about uh, really quickly my little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. And this section is entitled, The Kinder We Are With Ourselves, The Easier It Is to Take Responsibility. How do we take responsibility for our actions? How do we show up when we've made a mistake or done something we thought better of afterward? Do we justify and throw blame on others, or do we go beyond the idea of blame and merely make it right what we have done? All too often in society, we find that people fear to take responsibility for their actions and words. We see how people deny or change what happened out of fear. Fear drives us to hide from the consequences of our deeds. We fear how others will respond and react to what we have said or done. We fear it, not because of what others may do, but because of our own judgments about ourselves. 
We fear it because we are being too hard on ourselves, and secretly, we are condemning ourselves long before anyone else knows what happened. This is because we are always our worst critic, our own worst detractor. We are far harsher on ourselves than anyone else can ever be. Our fears are, are not about what others may do. Our fears are about merely being exposed and being seen for what we have done. We fear being human. We fear making mistakes. Yet when we allow ourselves to be human and make mistakes, we allow others to do the same. When we become more compassionate towards ourselves, we can be more compassionate towards others. And when we all soften into compassion for being human, there is no reason to be afraid to take responsibility. We are all guilty of something. So let's be more kind to ourselves and to everyone else. Is there something in your life you can take responsibility for? Can you clean it up and make it right without making yourself wrong? So this section of my book I wrote uh, a, a little while ago, this is probably one of the more recent ones, but it was sort of an insight I had um, after one, one gathering about how we, we're really so hard on ourselves. Like, and I remember, I think I was working with a woman and she could see like every little thing that she had done wrong in a particular situation. And she was making herself so wrong for just being human. Now, look, this is not to let us off the hook. This is not to say that uh, we, we should not make an effort to be more kind, more caring, more compassionate. But oftentimes I see that we're not as kind and compassionate to others because we're not kind and compassionate to ourselves. We're so judgmental of any little thing we did wrong that when somebody else does the same thing, it kind of holds the mirror up to us and they're like, oh my God, oh, I can't believe it. And we become very critical because it's actually something about ourselves that we don't want to see. And I find that when we can allow ourselves to be a little bit more human, when we can allow, make it okay that we made a mistake, not that we should keep making mistakes, but to say, okay, I made this mistake. Let me clean it up. Let me do what's right. Let me do right by this other person I may not have done right by. Let me you know, make a better effort and be a better person next time. And, and not sort of condemn ourselves that just because we made a mistake, we're a bad or evil person, that then we can relax. We can breathe. We, we, we can, it actually makes it easier to own and take responsibility for the things we've done wrong, because then it's not a condemnation of ourselves and our soul and our, 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 our essential being. It's just a behavior that, that we feel we need to do better with. And so I've seen it by working with many people that as they start to become more compassionate to themselves, as they start to become kinder and gentler to themselves, 
suddenly they're kinder and gentler to everyone else. They're, it's easier for them to allow the other person to make a mistake. And once they own it up and clean it up to forgive them. And so I, I just felt like this was an important perspective to kind of highlight because I've just seen like when we're just a little kinder, a little gentler, a little easier on ourselves, we can be kinder and gentler and easier on other people. And then suddenly life becomes much more enjoyable to live. Suddenly we're not quite as stressed out about things. Suddenly, you know, something that somebody used to do doesn't quite annoy us as much. And then also we're not afraid to confront people about what we do feel was wrong, what we do see that they did that was a mistake that we feel needs to be cleaned up. And having those conversations and just being honest and vulnerable about how we feel about something, like that's the real goal. That really like helps us so much. So um, I a little section from my book, I don't want to uh, uh, belabor the point or, or go too much onto it because I really want to bring on my guest. But um, yeah, the section is called The Kinder We Are to Ourselves, The Easier It Is to Take Responsibility. And that's from my book, Everyday Awakening, which if you haven't gotten it yet, please feel free to go to uh, everydayawakeningbook.com and pick up a copy. And now it is my pleasure to welcome to the show, uh, Connie um, Zwig. I hope I got that right. <laughs> Zwig. Zwig, okay. Who is a retired therapist and a writer. Um, known as the shadow expert, she is the co-author of Meeting the Shadow and Romancing the Shadow, and the author of Meeting the Shadow of Spirituality, <laughs> and a novel uh, entitled A Moth to the Flame, The Life of Sufi Poet Rumi. Ooh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Her new best-selling book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, extends her work on the shadow into midlife and beyond and explores aging as a spiritual practice, something that I think is really very important. It's won both the 2021 American Book Fest Award and the 2021 Best Indie Book Award for Best Inspirational Nonfiction Book. Connie has been doing contemplative practices for more than 50 years. She is a wife, stepmother, and grandmother. After all these roles, she's practicing the shift from role to soul. And here's just to show uh, what her wonderful book looks like which is uh, why we're here today. So welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Connie. Thank you for having me, Sam. Ah, a real pleasure, a real pleasure. Um, uh, uh, oh, and I already see one of my loyal listeners, Sanaya, said she, it's a wonderful, and she ordered the book already. Thank you, Sanaya. I think Thank you, you. you'll really enjoy it. My, my loyal listeners are the best. I love my loyal listeners. They're amazing. Um, so, Connie, uh, I, I see like you've really come out with a lot of books and you've kind of made this shift from, from therapist to writer. What was it that kind of pulled you or, or inspired you to move in that direction? Um, well, I've been writing all along, actually, wow. Sam. I've been okay. writing. Yeah. So I was a journalist before um, getting my Ph.D. in psychology. And then I was in the publishing business for a decade. 
Oh. Um, yeah, developing books for other people. And during that time, I started um, doing my own books. So uh, Meeting the Shadow came out probably 30 years ago, at least. Uh, and uh. Um, then in my 40s, I decided to go back to school and uh, become a psychologist. And so then I began writing um, more in the psychology world mm. and uh, romancing the shadow. And um, eventually uh, I was doing both. I was doing my private practice and I was writing at the same time. And they were very well integrated because I had so many anecdotal stories from people's interesting lives to use in the books that I was teaching about shadow work. Uh, and, and what was it about shadow work that attracted you so much? Because there's so many like different aspects of things we can focus on. And always curious, like, what is it about one particular aspect that draws somebody in? Well, my graduate school was a training in depth psychology, which is ah. the psychology of the unconscious. Yeah. Rooted in Freud and Jung. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for a psychology that included spirituality because I was meditating since I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. So when I discovered Carl Jung, I realized that I wanted to explore that more because he had the depths and the heights. He sort of embraced oh. all of who we are. Yes. And nobody was really writing popular books then about the shadow which is Jung's name for the unconscious mm -hmm. and how we work with material that's outside of our awareness right because it seems to erupt sometimes in destructive ways like you mm -hmm. were talking about self-acceptance mm -hmm. well the critic as it's popularly known is a shadow figure it, it arises from the unconscious and criticizes us for reasons that we can actually begin to understand how we internalize those messages. And they became this voice in our head that criticizes us and makes us wrong if we do something that isn't perfect. Right. And we feel guilt and we feel shame. And all of that is related to the shadow or the unconscious process. And there are many, many examples of that, like addiction or mm -hmm. lying or jealousy or anger that's out of control. Right. All of that originates, it builds charge in the unconscious shadow and erupts in our lives. Mm. And so when I wrote Romancing the Shadow with a colleague, we developed a method that we called shadow work to begin to make that material conscious and learn how to work with it mm. the way that it lost its unconscious charge and we built a conscious relationship with it and uh, we to understand why am I criticizing myself or why am I right. getting angry all the time or criticizing my spouse people have right. that habit right, <laughs> right? yes yes or absolutely. envying other people or lying when I don't want to lie right. and so that so that kind of because those books were successful mm. i realized that i was meeting a need mm. and then the same thing happened with the new book the inner work of age as i entered my late 60s i realized 
there was nothing written anywhere about the right. unconscious process of aging. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let's hold it there because I, I want to really get into the book in depth, but we got to take our first commercial break. Um, once again, uh, Akane is the author of The Inner Work of Age, uh, Shifting from Role to Soul. And we're going to really dive into the book over the next 45 minutes. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook with our Facebook Live video. And we will be right back after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Connie Zweig, author of the book, The Inner Work of Age. Um, so Connie, we, we started to talk about um, last uh, segment, just a little bit about why you started getting into the shadow work and how when you came out with this book, you got such a response that you realized it was something important. What kind of gave you the the, the the general idea to just even look at aging and, and look at uh, and consider writing a book around aging and the inner work around it? Well, you know, as I began to think about retirement from my clinical practice mm -hmm. uh, in my late 60s, I really started to feel disoriented. Ah. And I realized that I was asking the age old spiritual question, who am I? Mm. 
if I'm not Dr. Connie, the shadow expert, who am I? Mm. If I'm not helping people all day long, who am I? Mm. And I began to realize that there was a late life identity crisis that I had never seen talked about or written about anywhere. We know about the midlife crisis. But a similar thing happens with this transition. And even though I had my spiritual practices, I realized that our culture is so focused on doing Mm -hmm. our identity as productive and successful and helping and doing. And who am I if I'm not that? And so... um, The first thing I did was look for some positive aging communities. Mm -hmm. um, And I found Saging International. And they have a one-year training program to become an elder. And so I went through that process. And it's a beautiful rite of passage. But it doesn't include the unconscious or the shadow. And I realized that a lot of the fears and beliefs and attitudes and images about aging are unconsciousness in people. So if a 60 year old says to me, I don't wanna say how old I am, I realize that there's some unconscious, um, what I call the inner ageist. Hmm. The part of us that has internalized ageism Mm -hmm. and doesn't want to accept the truth of what's happening. And so I knew that there was another book for me to write and that I could contribute by exploring how the shadow is affecting us through the lifespan in our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, after midlife. And that that hadn't been done before. And then I found fantastic research out of Yale University. Ah about a woman, a a psychologist who's for decades has studied how the unconscious process about aging is affecting our health, our memory, our longevity, our mental health. And Mm. then I knew I had to write the book. Wow, wow, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and it's interesting. I do think it's a very timely book because uh, uh, I'm like on the tail end of the baby boomers and and there's such a huge section of the population that's now moving into this older age that there are a lot of people out there who are 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 kind of dealing with this issue. I mean, I personally know some people who as much as I may not want to admit my age, they are so much more in denial and they're younger than me. I mean, that's the thing that's so funny. Like they're even younger than me. And they like are such a fear of aging and getting older and losing their youth and vitality that it, it really is because we've, at least in the United States, I'm not quite sure it's the same in Europe, um, but it, it could be in other places in the world. But in the United States, there's such a culture of, of uh, uh, idolizing youth. That's right. That that yeah, anything that's not young and handsome and beautiful is like not considered good. Yeah. And and it it's will take some work to sort of counter that to help us not to feel bad just because we're not 
you know, 30 years old and, and fit as an Olympian. <laughs> yeah. So young is good and old is bad, right? Yeah. Strong is good and weak is bad. Independent is good and dependent yes. is bad. So all of this splitting, what happens is the, the aspects of being human that carry these negative projections or associations go into the shadow. Mm. and we deny them for mm. ma- many times for women it's about appearance and image yeah right many times for men it's about independence i mean the fear of dependency oh. in men is just epidemic from what i found so i've interviewed mm. hundreds of people now wow. so there's a lot of you know and there are ten thousand people turning 65 every day wow yes Wow. And every single country is aging now, has more yes. people growing old than being born. Every country. Yeah. But, I understand in like Japan, it's a real crisis there. That's right. Because there are many, many people who are becoming um, frail and dependent. Mm-hmm. And the families have to do a lot of caregiving. And that interrupts what? Productivity and supporting the economy right so there's a lot of kind of ageism built into our institutions around these values but my point is that it's built into us into our psyches Mm. in the Mm -hmm. shadow and that's really what i'm emphasizing ageism from the inside out because there are a lot of people who are working on social economic housing ageism in the workplace and all of that Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's the the outer is just a reflection of what's going on inside. And um, so your book is divided up into four major parts, the divine messengers, the uh, life review and life repair from hero to elder and life uh, completion. Um. So, so I just would love to touch upon each of these just slightly to give a little bit of our audience a little bit of a taste of what it's like. So the divine messengers, what do you mean by a messenger? And what's a divine messenger? Well, um, there's a, a legend about Siddhartha, the Buddha. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story is that as a young prince, he was very sheltered. And as I was, I was very sheltered by my family. And he didn't see any um, suffering because he was kept inside the palace. Mm. And one day he escaped and he walked the streets. Like me, when I left home and went to college in Berkeley in the late 60s. And he was totally shocked. I was totally shocked by what I saw. (laughs) I think many people can relate to this. And he focused on first he saw um, an old person Mm -hmm. and had no idea that that was kind of the fate of the human body. Then he saw an ill person And then he saw a corpse. Mm. And so illness, old age, and death in Buddhism are called the divine messengers. And they wake us up to the temporariness of our lives Mm. and the reality 
of aging and of mortality. And so, you know, I kind of had a naivete, and I think many of our listeners probably did. As I entered my 60s, I wasn't really contemplating aging or mortality. And then these divine messengers began to come. Two of my friends, my closest friends, died while I was writing the book. Oh, wow. Yeah. My husband was diagnosed with a serious illness. And these things wake us up to the reality that we're, we're changing, our bodies are changing, for some of us, our minds are changing. And how do we want to live the precious time that we have left? Yeah, yeah, I I saw that a lot with my mom, because she lived to 99 and a half. I mean, that's a pretty good age. Most people don't make it. But I also saw how in the last 10 years of her life, she started to outlive everyone in her life except her children. All of her friends passed, her relatives who were like of her generation all passed. I mean, I think we had one cousin who made it to 101. Um, But, uh, um, you know, it really, uh, uh, I could see it taking its toll on her. And um I think part of the reason why she lived that long was because my sister who moved to Israel when she was in college and she's married and has kids, I don't have any kids. So um, she convinced my mom to move to an assisted living facility in Israel when she was 91. She'd been living here in New York uh, Uh up, up until then. And so once her close friends, once they all passed, she really didn't have anything keeping her here. So when she moved to Israel, I believe one of the reasons she lived until 99 and a half was she made new friends there. She was in a different environment. She got different stimulation. People there were very family oriented. They invite her to their homes, which people here don't really do that much. So it, it yeah. gave her a, a little bit of a new lease on life. So social isolation is a really big factor. And we saw that during the pandemic. Yes. And we I, and I want to... I want to talk more about that because also I've seen a lot of people also lose people during this pandemic for for various reasons, but we've got to take a break. I want to try and keep us on schedule. Um, So when we come back, let's talk just a little bit more about that and how sort of the pandemic has sort of highlighted this uh, more so than even before that. And then I do want to touch up, go get to the difference between uh, uh, being old and being an elder. Um, Because you mentioned that, and that is a very fascinating concept to me. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We will be right back with Connie Zwieg, author of The Inner Work of Age, right after this. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we're talking this hour all about the inner work of age. So, so Connie, you touched upon something um, in, in writing this book about how it sort of brought things up for yourself, how a couple of your uh, uh, people you know in your life um, transitioned while you were writing the book. And it's something that we're seeing a lot. I've seen a lot hearing it from other people just over the last couple of years whether it was from COVID or not, a lot of people I've heard have passed from other things, not from COVID, but still passed during the last couple of years. As we mentioned, it could be from social isolation or, or what have you, or just tired of, of being in this situation. Um, so this really is coming to the forefront and really coming to people's minds much more so than it did probably three or four or five years ago. Yeah, I think there was a really entrenched denial of mortality in our culture um, for most of our lives and most of our parents' lives and so on. And um, the pandemic did bring some awareness of um, uh, several things, I would say. Mm -hmm. One, so many people experienced loss of a friend or family member um, and that really did raise an awareness of the risk, uh, and the vulnerability of all of us, and especially of older adults. Yeah. And the other thing that it brought up was an awareness of ageism in housing and the age uh -huh. segregation that we experience in our culture, whereas, you know, in other times and places, many generations live together. Right. And um, now so many older people are separated from everyone, which creates that isolation you were talking about. So my sense is given, you know, how the mind works, that in a few years, assuming the pandemic is managed by then, mm -hmm. um, people will forget. 
and it you know that awareness will kind of go back into the unconscious mm. so um i think you know grief and loss are uh different for different individuals everyone has different ways of working with it um some people work with it in a religious or spiritual context other people work with it um you know emotionally other people just quickly get through it and deny it you know after that mm, yeah so people have different ways of working with this but it's um it's a challenge and yeah. it brings in it you know the other day i was running a group and people were talking about many people said i never let myself feel grief i don't let myself feel it really so from my point of view part of this shift that you mentioned from senior to elder Mm-hmm. is allowing ourselves to grieve oh. allowing ourselves to grieve our unlived lives mm. the dreams that we had that we didn't get to experience the people we've lost um the creative aspirations that we didn't explore i mean mm. there are so many sort of losses and unlived aspects of this time in our life and part of doing a life review which i teach in my workshops and my book is that we can begin to um reclaim some of that unlived material now mm. once we uncover what it is let's say a feeling that got buried because it was forbidden in our family right. we can begin to reclaim that feeling and explore it now with our new longevity yeah. or a creative talent Yeah. Or a spiritual aspiration, you know, I always wanted to learn to meditate but I never had time. We can begin to explore that now. Right. So this connection between, you know, our losses and our longevity is not all dark because of the mm-hmm. possibilities that we have now for this time of life. Right. And uh, oh this the like I have like so many things I want to say based on what you just said that the first thing I wanted to mention was my wife comes from China and I've been to China a couple of times you know several times already and I noticed that there's a much different attitude in China towards the elderly than than here in the United States like the elderly are really revered and taken care of much better i mean it's changing and it might not be as good as it was when i went there several years ago um but the, but different cultures around the world do treat aging differently don't they yes um you know i i kind of object to the word elderly sam ah okay because it's loaded Mm. with emotional charge for people. Okay. Um I think you know there are indigenous cultures both here and in Africa and in um Australia and elsewhere mm-hmm. that have a different relationship to the elder. Yes. And actually recognize that the transition into elderhood is about storytelling and memories and has great nobility and value and it's also about spiritual potential there are spiritual yes. elders right yes. in native cultures all over the world and the wisdom and the wisdom there, of the elders yes 
And so we've lost that in white postmodern Eurocentric culture. Absolutely. We've, we've lost libraries full of people. Yeah. You know, and we've lost um, the grandparents and great grandparents and their value. I know for myself, I didn't have an elder throughout my life. I didn't have a grandparent I could look at that way. Me too. All my grandparents died before um, my parents were even married and before I was born. So I never really had anyone who I saw in in that role. And and so that means we don't internalize that. We don't have a model for that for ourselves as we age. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, my father actually died when I was quite young, when I was in high school. Um, And he was, he was 60 when he died. Now he had had, I think it was scarlet fever when he was a kid and it damaged his heart. So he had a heart condition throughout his life. And back then, you know, they didn't teach you to exercise. They said, rest, you got to rest, which now we know is actually not necessarily the best thing. Right. But, but um, as a kid, like I always have this memory of him being very religious, like he turned kind of orthodox. But you know, I heard stories of my mom after he passed that he actually was less religious than her. But towards the end of his life in his last 10 years or so, he became very religious and spent a lot of time in the synagogue and studying the Bible. Um, is is that a, a what you find sort of a common maybe not so common, but sort of a general theme that as we age and, and maybe death starts feeling a little bit closer, we start looking towards a more spiritual aspect to life? Well, in the book, I write a lot about when we become aware of mortality, how do we prepare? So there's emotional repair, giving and receiving forgiveness, hmm. really cleaning up our relationships. And there's spiritual repair. Mm. How do we um, reimagine now in the context of death what we really believe about life and about the divine and about life after death? How do we reimagine that so that it fits who we are now? Mm. What kind of practices might we do in that context? So if someone, you know, like him feels settled in a traditional organized religion, then you go that way. If someone else is an unaffiliated spiritual seeker or mystic, then you find a different lineage from your childhood tradition, right? And you can find a community and you can find a teacher and you can find a practice that really fits who you are now. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of, I feel what's happened to me because as a young kid, I, 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 I didn't feel that connected to Judaism and, and I didn't feel like there was spirit when I went to the synagogue and, and saw people praying. And so uh, I've developed sort of a, a very eclectic view on spirituality and, and, um, and have found sort of my own 
uh, group or am finding sort of my own community of like-minded people. And, and one thing that I found very interesting, like you mentioned meditation before, I was just in a business networking group the other day. And, and they asked, the, the question for everyone to answer is, what do you do to de-stress? And then I was in several breakout rooms and like 80% of the people said they meditate. Yes. And, and it's I mean, it's very I'm, important. It's really I, important. Yeah. And there are many practices in my book that people can pick up for different reasons, whether you want to learn how to relax, whether you want to learn how to quiet your mind, whether mm. you want to learn how to really attain spiritual awakening and non-dual mm. reality. There are lots of practices in the book. So the main, you know, spiritual promise that I'm making to people is the subtitle of the book shifting from role to soul and what does that mean it means that we've lived our lives identified with our roles our family roles and our work roles and like I was saying about myself who am I if I'm not Dr. Connie anymore and that role falls away and yeah. so I, I really included practices to shift our identity from what we do to who we really are, to our spiritual nature. And whether we call that soul or spirit or divine or higher self, I don't care what we call it. But that shift is the opportunity for this stage of life. And it's what every spiritual tradition all over the world has taught. This is the time. Late life is the time for contemplative practice. Yeah, yeah. And so all it's right. really, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Connie. Um, all right, it's time for us to take our last break of the show. God, I could have a conversation with you for hours. Um, again, uh, Dr. Connie Zweig, author of the book, the inner work of age. When we come back, I just want to talk a little bit more um, about some practical things for our audience. What what are some things they can do to help them to deal, you know, besides just meditation, to deal with this getting older and 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 you know, can't what can we do to reverse that old adage that that I hear people saying a lot that getting old sucks. You know, uh, let, let, let's kind of shift that around, okay? So we will be right back. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Again, we do this live every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc, all over Facebook. And if you miss any part of today's show, you can always catch us on all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. So we will be right back after these messages. Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4pm, every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking with Dr. Connie Zweig, author of the book, The Inner Work of Age. Um, Sanaya, loyal listener, posted a question on the Facebook, um, exactly what I wanted to talk about this section. She says, beautiful concept to see aging this way, because most people don't know who they are. Are there ways or outlets to embrace the pending physical and mental changes with age? You know, Sanaya, I like to say age is our curriculum. Mm. So all of these challenges that come to us um, can be digested or metabolized for our development. I'm not, I don't want to minimize their difficulty. I don't want to minimize the suffering of illness and loss. But I do want to say that we can actually experience illness as a spiritual practice Mm. with caregiving as a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And I really, I I read about that extensively in the book, how to do your shadow work as these challenges are coming up Mm -hmm. and how to do your meditation practice so that you have a quiet refuge in your mind every day to sit still in silence as these difficulties are happening, because they will, the hits will keep coming. Mm -hmm. And if we have the tools, for me, those tools are meditation and shadow work. For other people, they may be different modalities. Mm -hmm. But if you have these tools, um, you can continue to develop, to evolve, to gain consciousness, and to reach new stages of awareness. Yeah. As someone once said, uh, any day above ground is a good day, because as long as you're still breathing, you can still learn, grow, and do something. Um, Many years ago, I I used to have a friend who was much older than me, and she used to say, growing old sucks. How do we change that that paradigm? How do we change that perspective? Because it's such a common one today, right? Well, So part of my work holding the shadow and spirituality has been holding opposites. Mm. 
there are very difficult issues around aging yeah. that we've been mentioning. And mm-hmm. there are very expanded opportunities with our expanded longevity. These are both true. So I'm experiencing both my youthfulness and my age, my victories and my defeats, Mm. my gains and my losses. Mm. And as we, you know, move into these later years, if we can hold the positives and the negatives together, Mm -hmm. something alchemical starts to happen because when we split off one or the other we kind of get lost the other side goes into the shadow you know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of positive aging stuff going on now where the where the difficulties the sex are lost Mm -hmm. it used to be all negative it used to be okay you're over the hill it's decline and that's all there is so now there's this positive aging movement to compensate for that And what I'm trying to say is, it's all of the above. Uh, It's the whole enchilada. And if we can really explore how to hold the whole truth, like my husband is ill, but we're having a fantastic time together. Mm. So the whole truth of this stage of life, then we can really have a different kind of qualitatively different experience Mm. of aging. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm just curious, in writing this book and doing the research for this book, what did you learn about yourself that surprised you? Well, in the chapter, in the chapter on the inner ageist, I tell my story of discovering how I found my own internalized ageism. Uh, And it was really shocking to me because I was in Berkeley in the 60s and 70s fighting all the isms, (laughs) right? And so discovered to discover that I had really internalized ageism and why, Mm. and to really look at the childhood messages that were given to me, and Mm. then the later messages throughout my lifespan, and then Mm. to learn how that was affecting me. I have 72 years of life experience now. So if I had, if my inner ageist were really criticizing my appearance or something else that was happening or, um, you know, leaving me feeling powerless or victimized, I could never have written this book and be teaching the amount of I mean, I am really busy now and fully enjoying it. And if I hadn't worked with that inner ageist, I would not be feeling the fulfillment that I'm experiencing Mm. now. So we just got a couple of minutes before we have to wrap up the show. Um, What would you, what kind of advice would you give our listeners who are having some challenges because they are getting older? And, and that resistance to just the concept of, of getting older and being older is, is, is welling up inside of them. Yeah. Well, um, from my point of view, there are many, many things you can do to feel differently about the reality of aging. Mm. So meditation is a refuge 
to quiet your mind because a lot of the negative emotions come from the noisy thoughts. Right. And so that's important. You can do a life review and you can look at what is left that only you can contribute. Mm. So if you have some calling to contribute to the common good, what is it that only you can give? Mm. What cause are you passionate about? Climate Mm. change, Mm -hmm. gun violence, racism. Choose a cause and find a community that's working in that area. Work with your own inner ageist so that you begin to feel a deep self-acceptance. And also, I would say, Sam, ask yourself, if you were on your deathbed now, what would you regret not having said or done? Mm. And how can you complete that now? So these are all ways that you can live more deeply in peace and die in peace. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. We have to wrap it up. I I just got to ask you one last question. Who's an elder that that you look to as a role model? Actually, there are many now. But Uh, let me acknowledge Ramdas. Because, oh, yeah. because I borrowed the phrase role to soul from Ramdas. Oh. And I'm very grateful to him for a lifetime of, of being a scout for my generation. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Again, Dr. Connie Zwig, author of the book, The Inner Work of Age. Dr. Connie, if people want to learn more about your work, learn more about you, how would they find you? How would they get in touch with you? All of my workshops are listed on ConnieZweig.com, Z-W-E-I-G. Um, Dr. Connie Zweig on Facebook, also on LinkedIn. Um, and people who are reading the book are now forming wisdom circles uh-huh. to read together and age in community. And because there's so many practices in the book, they're doing the practices together in small mm-hmm. circles. Mm-hmm. seven or eight people if you're interested in a wisdom circle you can shoot me an email conniezweig at gmail.com put mm-hmm. wisdom circle in the subject line and i'll connect you with other people who are reading the book wonderful wonderful well dr connie thank you so much for taking the time out of your thank day you, to come Sam. on my show today I, i've got so many people i have to share this book with and people i think will, will get a lot out of it i really appreciate you doing the work and um and doing making the effort to to bring this work to light and thank you my loyal listeners for tuning in today and being so supportive that's what we do this for why we do it um please remember there are other wonderful shows on talkradio.nyc tonight at 5 p.m frank about health Um, Tomorrow, we have our whole lineup of business shows. Monday evenings, Reverend Sandra Bargeman with her show, The Edge of Every Day, and our series of Tuesday shows, uh, the shows on Wednesday. So just go to talkradio.nyc, take a look at our schedule. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, if you've gotten something out of this interview, this episode, please share it with your friends and family and colleagues. Thank you all. Take care. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you.
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. 